Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. I am super excited. This is probably one of my most favorite things that we do. I'm going to give a very short meditation, and then we're going to dive into a passage together around the tables and then have discussion. Now, if you're part of youth or you're part of our young adults, then you're actually already going to have a leg up on how we're doing this discussion. But I'm going to tell you this thing is what we're looking for through in every passage that we look at. Anytime you come to scripture, you're going to be asking three questions. What does it show me about God? What does it show me about people and myself? And what is God calling me to obey? Right? Jesus said, if you, he said, follow me. Follow means, means to obey. Follow me and I will make you what? Fishers of men. So as we obey him, he's actually going to also guide us on how to be fishers of men, how to go into the world and bring the world into an encounter with God. So every time we read the scripture, we want to know what are you calling me to do and who are you calling me to love? Okay? So that's just a preview. But what I want to continue today is this whole thing around exhaustion. And one of the things I realized for myself is the very core of exhaustion is spending your energy and getting nothing in return. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's like your, 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 uh, your car is, in, is uh, spinning. It's in neutral though, right? You rev it. Anybody revved an engine and only realized then you weren't in gear? Right? No. And that is the definition of exhaustion. Who here has laid in bed at three o'clock in the morning with the wheels spinning? exhausted out of your mind, unable to sleep, right? Okay, so this is the definition of exhaustion. And what I realized for myself is when we are in a desperate situation, when we are triggered in trauma, when what are the feelings that are in our hearts when we're in desperate situations or we're triggered by trauma? What are the feelings? Can't breathe. Can't breathe. What else? Fear, fear, can't think. Confusion, mad at the world, world. I heard anger. And what was this one back here? I that, but there was another one. Alone, yes. Hopeless. Self-pity. Self-pity, blame everyone. Uh, what was that one? What was this one? Undead. 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 <laughs> yes, come on. All right, this is a good place. I don't want to lose you. Um, some of you are like, well, I'm good at this one. Isn't that great? You can come to church and be good at something. Um, so when I'm in this place, See if this resonates with you. When I'm in this place, I want out of this place now, yeah. right? Yeah. I, and so if I am 1,000 stories below the ground, okay means I've got to go 1,000 stories up to be okay, right? And I'm going to look for what's going to deliver 1,000 stories in one step, right? Okay. 
So in other words, what I fantasize about in this place is drastic solutions. Okay, so give me some drastic solutions that you fantasize about. Winning the lottery. Lottery. Lord, I don't want to just say this, but you would solve all my problems. Go to work. That's drastic. So what's a huge? Anybody here fantasized about people like disappearing from the face of the earth, perhaps by, by a hit or some other means of destruction? No, no. But... Rapture. Rapture. Just get me out of here. Escape. Come, Lord. If not rapture, take me now. Who here's like, Lord? I'm not saying it's my time, but if it's my time, I'm not fighting. Right? <laughs> right? Yeah. What's that? Overreact. Come on, come on. Miracles. Miracles. I believe in miracles. Right? Like, like anybody here, you're like, this one person will solve everything for me if they do X, Y, Z. Right? A little manipulative witchcraft prayer never hurt anybody. Right? But the funny thing about it is, is I always imagine these huge steps. Okay, here's my question. How much of our life is huge steps? Almost none. Almost none. Almost none. Almost none. Now, who here has made some really huge steps in your life and you regretted it horribly? Yeah, you're right, right? Anybody you're like, I know what's going to do this. I'll just do this. I'll jump off a cliff. Right? No, right? Does that make sense? Okay, this is really important to understand. Over and over again, when Jesus uses parables, you know one element you see over and over again he uses? Time. What does he use? He is a farmer went out to sow seed. If I sow seed in the ground, what happens? It takes a while. It takes a while. Right? It takes a while. That is not what I want to hear when I'm in this place, is it? I don't want a while. I want instant results. And if people need to die, that's okay. I'm okay with that. Right? I want instant results. And I realized something for myself is in this place where I'm demanding instant results, I can not hear God's voice. Why? Because he's not talking about instant results. Right? Okay, Lord, one step. I've got this for you. Anybody here tried to help God out with suggestions? How well does he do taking his suggestions? Some of you are like, I'm really good at it, but he has yet to take one, right? Okay, so, so what I want you to do is if you've got Bibles, I want you to open to Isaiah chapter 55. If you guys watched the video, I, I touched on this uh, earlier this week, so you guys are ahead of the game. I love this. Isaiah is talking to a people who are fundamentally bankrupt. They are enslaved in their own land or they're enslaved in somebody else's land. All their promises have been destroyed either by their choices or by others' choices. Anybody resonate, right? And I, hopeless, enslaved, in bondage, wanting a solution now. And this is what he says to him. He says, come, all you who are thirsty. Actually, the word in there says, ho, listen up. Get, I want to get your attention. You're not listening. Ho, come, all of you who are thirsty, come to the waters. And you who have no money, come by and eat. Do you know this is actually what Jesus did? It said on the day of the great feast, he stood up. It was the feast when they would pour out this water and recognize, like as if, um, like, um, 
Ezekiel 47 was happening where water was flowing out from the temple. And he said, come to me, all you who are thirsty. You who have no money, come buy and eat. What's the problem with having no money and buying and eat? Anybody see a problem? Okay, who here, you see the problem and you figure out how you need to get what you need to solve the problem, right? Like if he says, come buy and eat, I'm like, okay, how much money do I need? God says, come, you who have no money, come buy and eat. We box God in with our limited thinking. Anybody found how limited your thinking was at 3 a.m. when you actually started talking to normal human beings at 10? And you're like, (laughs) never mind, right? Come, all you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Now, here's the big one. Why spend money on what is not bread? Anybody here sold your everything to get something and found it wasn't what you wanted? And your labor on what doesn't satisfy exhaustion. Listen to, okay, so how am I going to come buy and eat? How am I going to do it? I'm glad you asked. Here it is. Listen. How are you going to buy? How are you going to drink living water? How are you going to come and buy and eat? By listening. Listen. Listen to me. Now, you know the difference between hearing and listening? What do you guys think is the difference between listening and hearing? Anybody? Action? Huh? Comprehension. I would also say this is listen says, whatever you say, I'm listening. Hear is really kind of passive, right? Listen says, I'm listening and I'm not putting you in a box. Do you know why God is silent 99% of the time? Because we've already dictated the terms. God, is she the one for me? God's like, I ain't even talking about her. I don't know why she's in this conversation. Right? Anybody? Jesus, how are you going to destroy this person? Which is like, ooh. Right? No, we've already limited the conversation. God, how are you going to deal with this situation? He's like, dude, that's not even a problem. The real problem's over here. I don't want to talk about that one. Come, listen. Listen. If you want to be delivered out of exhaustion, if you, listen to me and eat what is good. And you will delight on the richest affair. Could it be that you and I are so limited in what we think we need, what we want, that we are missing the very good thing God wants to bring to us? Because we will not come to him and listen. So, the other verse God was really whispering to me was this verse in Song of Songs. You guys know Song of Solomon was this love poem, but if you dig into it, it's one of these most incredible love poems of God to us. And it's this interplay between the bridegroom and the bride. And there's this amazing phrase. If you guys flip over to uh, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 14, where he says to her, he says, my dove in the cleft of the rock. Why does a dove hide in the cleft of a rock? Scared. Hidden away. Ah, we're going to die. In the cleft, in the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. He says, show me your face. Come out from there. Come out from there. And what does he say? Let me hear your voice. Come to me. Come to me. 
for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And then guess what he says? So now catch for us the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. I'll come back there. And her response to him is, my beloved is mine and I am his. In other words, she says, it's no longer trying to save my life. I'm no longer hiding away. I'm coming out to him. And what does he say? Come out from your hiding place. And does he say, I will deal with all of the horrible terrors of the night? No. Does he say, I'm going to deal with all the, the vultures or the raptors that are trying to attack you? No. What does he say? He says, you, my beloved, catch for us the foxes that spoil the vineyard. Okay, what's going on here? The vineyard is this symbol of the fruit of her life. Her life is a vineyard. Do you know the problem with vineyards? It, they have to be tended. Do you know if you plant a, a, a grapevine, how many years do you have to wait till you get fruit? Three to seven years. And in fact, even when it starts to come, you cut it off because it's going to break the vine. The vine is not strong enough to hold the weight of those. Anybody here, you were starting to be successful and God's like, no. You're like, you hate me. <laughs> He's like, you will be destroyed by your own success. But he sits there and he says, but listen, we need to catch the foxes that ruin the vineyard. Do you know how foxes ruin the vineyard? They actually are too small to reach up to the grapes as they're forming. So what they do is they gnaw at the roots so the vine collapses and they can eat the fruit. They, the little foxes gnaw at the roots so no fruit comes. Why are the foxes there? Because she's hiding in the cleft of the rock. She's... Anybody here, you gave up on the fruit of your life and you were just like, I'll just hide away. And the foxes are run rampant. But he says the little foxes. Notice he's not talking about some horrible, massive problem. He's talking about little foxes. And because I do research for you, he started talking to me about my little foxes. By the way, you have nothing to tell anybody except out of your own failure. I'm just going to say that. But anyway, and he began to say, he said something to me. He said, Peter, you want me to speak in these big areas, right? What are the th big things we want God to speak into our life? Money. Money. Destiny. Destiny. Relationship. Relationship. Life. Life, right? We want big things. Do you want to know something? The hardest place to hear God is in the place of our desire, yeah. Right? You know, I, I did this. I, so funny. I, I, uh, you know, I, you've probably heard this before, but I, I, was, I, was, I was seeing a girl and I said, God, is she the one? And I got like a head nod and he was like, all right, we're off to the races. And he's like, whoa, I said, you can hang out. I wasn't, whoa, <laughs> easy there, tiger. Wow, you really jumped to conclusions, right? Why? Because my desire was, is she the one or is she the one? Or is she the one? I'll take any of those, right? My desire screws it up. If I'm going to learn to hear God's voice, I need to hear him in the little things. But you know what? Not, about probably 50% or more of what you're going to hear God, especially when you're starting out, he's going to be talking to you about. I wouldn't do that if I were you. 
right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Who here has heard that still small voice of, I wouldn't do that if I were you. Wouldn't be prudent. Right? Who here? And you said, tell me why. Crickets. Because he was silent. I just figured it out for myself. Who here is my people? Who here is driven past this stop sign? What lay on the other side of that stop sign? Danger, Will Robinson, danger, right? Right? You were like, oh, that's why you meant me not to do that. <laughs> You're going to learn one way or another, boy, right? In that, this is 50% of what he's going to talk to you about. Now, if you listen to him, you won't hear this much more because it's like operation. You won't touch the sides as much. But especially starting out, most of what God's going to say is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. All right, go for that. Right? So over and over again, but here's the deal. If I will not listen to this voice, guess what? I won't hear it in other areas of my life. If I drive past this, okay, who here? You've been in a conversation. God's like, I wouldn't say that. You drove right on past. What happened? Broken relationships. Everything that's on that board. Everything that's on that board. Yeah, right. You're like, and it's, and it's much easier because his voice gets quieter and quieter as the noise gets more and more. If I will not stop the little foxes that are ruining the vineyard, the little, I wouldn't. I, I'm, I, I have done so much research on your behalf <laughs> on what lies on the other side of this. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't demand him explain himself. He will not. Anybody? Anybody got him to explain him? He won't. He might. Like, mm, right? This right here, this is the small obediences that lead to the big breakthroughs. Most of the brilliant things I've done in life was just a combination of a thousand don'ts and then like, oh, okay. And then a quiet okay that wasn't one of those don'ts. So here's, here's the deal. How, what does the voice of the enemy sound like? Don't do it. Do it. Fear, anxiety, do it. despair, rage, selfishness, self-protection, right? Did God really say? Did God really say? Doubt. What does the voice of God sound like? Gentle peace. I promise you, this is the, the devil does not whisper this. The devil goes, don't do it, right? Don't open yourself to people. They'll ruin you. They'll kill you. And he gives evidence. The devil gives great evidence. If you ask the devil why not to do it, he'll be like, I'll tell you why. Because people are evil. People are wicked. They're nasty. They'll take your lunch. They'll kill you. Anybody heard that voice? If you get evidence, it ain't Jesus. Because the devil is the accuser of the brethren. In other words, prosecutor. He brings evidence. God says, trust me. Taste and see that I am good. Who here, I'll just put, make it simple. Who here has been on social media or on Facebook and God said, I wouldn't click that? <laughs> Welcome to the slip and slide into hell. You're like, oh, that's why. <laughs> what I want to say right now is Jesus said, if you love me, you will do what? 
obey my commands. And then he says, the, uh, guess what he promises? If you do what I say, I will send you my spirit of truth. Only on the other side of obedience do we begin to hear him more clearly. There's no other way around it. When I'm trying to hear him in big things, all of it is noise. I have to trust him. Jesus, what's the small thing you're calling me to do? What's the small thing you're telling me not to do? And I walk in those little steps. But you know the funny thing about little steps? Tacked together, they move you very fast. Big steps take you nowhere fast. So what I want to do right now is we're going to grab these pieces of paper in a second, and we're going to actually explore all this in a passage. So in 2 Kings chapter 5, if we can pull up verse 1. Verse 1, we have this. I'm just going to read this first verse for you guys. It says, Now Naaman was a commander of the army of Aram. Who's Naaman? A commander of the armies of, of Aram. Where's Aram? I'm glad you asked. We'll get to that in a second. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because of through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. Oh, so he must be a good man. He was a valiant so soldier, but he had leprosy. Who are my people? You have a call in your life. You're, you are following God the best you know how, but there's something in your life that is not what God has for you. Right? Anybody? Anybody doesn't have it? Right? There are things in my life that don't line up with who he says I am, right? He says, I'm a valiant soldier. I'm doing what God says, but I have leprosy. But here's the problem. So can we flip to the map? Where's Aram? Aram is this country to the northeast. The kingdom of Aram is based around Damascus. And during this period of time is the high point in Aram's history. It was actually the low point for a lot of other kingdoms. It was one of the most powerful places. The city of Damascus at this point had already been around for seven to 9,000 years. Unbelievable, unbelievable. It's, it, is a, it is a rich nation, rich in culture. They're, they're like, they're the big city and Israel is the boondocks. Israel is the hicks. Israel is dominated by uh, Aram. And, and this general would come in and raid Israel and take all their stuff. That's the setting. Does that sound like a great guy? We'll find out. So what we're going to do now is we're gathered around the tables. Masha has chosen one of y'all as a leader. Have you? Okay. Everybody's got a table. So your leader is going to do something. They're going to guide the discussion. So what you guys are first going to do, if we can pull up those uh, discussion guidelines real quick, is anybody been in a discussion that turned into somebody else's sermon? We're not going for that. The goal is for everybody to have a voice. So to do that, we're going to read the passage, taking turns, reading different paragraphs. And then one of you is going to try to give a recap of it. Just try to, you know, just generally what happened. And then you guys are going to go through the follow questions as much as there's time for. And as you do that, please listen to your leaders. If they're like, hey, hey, can we keep, can we get back to the topic? We want to keep our comments rele re relevant. Anybody else? Well, my so leaders, your job will be to keep it moving. Okay. So, um, ask, ask, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, just, can we keep it back on topic? Can we just move on? The other thing is, let's limit crosstalk. Anybody shared vulnerably and then got somebody else give you a sermon? 
let's not do that. Let's just not, let's not teach each other how to live. Let's be vulnerable ourselves. And, and then we'll, uh, when I, when I let you know the, you will move on. So uh, if you guys want to grab your sheets of paper and uh, leaders, take it away. Hey, friends who are online, I want to encourage you. You can continue with us. Dive into the passage, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians. I'm sorry, 2 Kings. And just, I want you to ask a couple questions. One is, what, why would God have him do this? Why would he have him dip in the Jordan? What's going on with that? Second thing is... I want to ask you is, what is the small obedience God has been calling you to, and what's making it so hard? And then the third thing is, it was a little girl who loved him enough to point him to God. Who are the people in your life that he's calling you? Maybe, I mean, he was her slave owner. Maybe there's someone in your life God's been hinting to you. You For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.